0: Is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mish Reya. It's business, but it's personal.
1: Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words. Hold my hand In other words That
2: was Frank Sinatra with Fly Me To The Moon. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers is a place uh, where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And we bring in, specially from the cold into the warm, we bring in someone who's shaping the world of business and we call them a business shaper. And my business shaper today, I'm very pleased to say, is Tom Adayula, And he's the CEO and founder of Meetail. And Meetail is an incredibly clever business which basically lets people try on clothes online without actually being there and make it accurate and work and you're going to hear all about how he does it it's an incredible uh, innovation in addition to hearing from Tom you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea some words of advice for your business and then we've got a brilliant selection of music from The Shapers of Jazz, Blues and Soul Esperanza Spalding's in there Oscar Peterson is in there and this new music from the one and only Van Morrison
1: Haven't heard your voice in quite a while Never seen you dance, but seen you smile. I can go days when nothing is wrong, but it just doesn't last very
2: long. That was Van Morrison with a new one every time I see a river. Tom Adeula is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers. And he, as I said, is the CEO and founder of Meetail. You can go to their website right now if you want to have a look, Meetail.com. And Tom has reinvented how women right now, I think not men, but we'll come to men in a moment, how women are able to get the right clothes for them when they're buying online. Tom, hello, and thank you for joining me. Hello. Hi. Tell me about this business before we go back a little bit and find out how you arrived at this juncture. What does Meetail do in your own words?
1: So ultimately, we want to make people feel great about the whole process of finding, choosing and buying clothing and to do that through their own 3D version of themselves, which they can then basically try on clothes, see what they look like and get an understanding of size and fit
2: online. And you it sounds very simple. I mean, like any good idea, it's like, why hasn't someone done that before? Why hasn't someone done that before, Tom? Um, I spent a long time investigating
1: why when I first looked into starting this idea um there are a lot of people back in the early uh, naughties trying this the last internet boom uh, and there have been people trying all the way through and there have been a lot of false profits a lot of people who came and said you know we have solved the online clothing fit problem we we can help you try and close online and they've never quite delivered because the problem is actually really difficult and i think it's one of those things where there's a lot of underlying ip that was needed there was a lot of underlying research and there's a lot of underlying technology that was needed to create something which on the face of it to a consumer then ends up being quite simple and easy to use.
2: And, and all those things, the intellectual property and the research and the technology and all that, is that why it's taken eight years for me to meet you? Absolutely. Is that what you've been doing, Tom? Absolutely. I've been, I've been wondering, where's this Tom with the brilliant solution? I mean, But seriously, how have you managed to go from the inception of the idea, the 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 understanding that there's a problem to this point where you're actually in market and revenue is coming and so on and so forth what, what was the tipping point very briefly we'll come yes. back to it but what was that first so
1: I think when I first started looking at the idea I I basically decided there were three core problems that needed to be solved to create something that could be a a genuine global consumer play and a real transactional utility. Uh, And that started with, number one was the ability to actually create a 3D version of you from basic information so that you could do it in the home. A lot of people previously have been gambling on this idea of a laser scanner in every shopping mall in every town in every country. But the bottom line is that people don't want to get naked going into a a random uh, machine in a store um, you know, they have difficulty enough doing that when they pass through customs. Air- Airports. I'm sure we can
2: find someone that would do that, but there would be very few people who would like to exactly. as a, as a hobby exactly so nobody wants to do
1: that so how could you make that really simple and straightforward Uh, um, and then number two was the ability to actually then provide you with clothes to try on so how to basically digitize garments in 3d in a way which then looked really compelling and interesting enough for you to actually buy and that was actually the real key piece that i established was really difficult so loads of people had tried in that that component there and it ended up with very computer graphics orientated images and it was a very expensive process so nobody had been able to do that for less than 300 to 400 bucks and as a consequence it was only ever a marketing gimmick and so the key thing for me I basically established was how could we get that really cheap so that we could work with mass market retailers at scale across the globe and provide all of the content to give you that sense of an infinite wardrobe to try on and,
2: and, and play with. Well, and we got more. That was just the beginning. That's Um, just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Um, Stay with me for much more from my business shape today, Tom Adeola. Time Mm -hmm. for some music right now. This is I Know You Know from Esperanza Spalding. The Lilting Tones of Esperanza Spalding with I Know You Know. Tom Adiula is my business shaper, and he's been talking about how this insight behind his business called Metel has come together. And the, the Metel business is basically a 3D vision, a image of yourself with 3D clothes, which enable you to buy things online without having to return them all, which most of us have gone through at some point, or at least for having to return some of them. Tom, as I said, you have been at this for quite a while. Yeah. Um, you have done a lot of things before you decided, I can only work for myself. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but they're serious roles. I mean, you graduated in, with economics from Cambridge, so um, that was obviously pretty good. Yep. Um, well done. Thank a belated you. well done, Tom. Yeah, you don't need it from me, but there you go. Um, but uh, serious jobs, management consultancy, jobs, financial analyst, jobs, senior analyst. At what point did you say, do you know what, enough, I'm a bright guy, I've got ambition, I want to do my own thing?
1: I think I, I'd been a clever guy working for senior management. Um, at several different startup businesses which was super exciting i I managed to get lots of really great experience and um you know being that sort of strategy guy it's sort of like a meritocratic position because you get thrown at big problems and you bring stuff back to the senior managers i got to sit in the room with all of the sort of c-suite in terms of presenting stuff and and being the guy who would say you know that's a bad idea that's a good idea um and i'd worked at several different places so i worked in the internet i mean the internet boom i then worked at at Hutchinson 3G, which was the largest um, startup in corporate history, I think at the time, going from zero to 1,700 people in a year. I then went back to work for my old boss to help start private jet business here in uh, Europe, which got sold to um, NetJets, Warren Buffett's company. Um, worked for Warner Brothers, and then got to that point, as you say, where I felt that I'd always been that sort of clever guy, but only working as a team of one. Um, and I felt I'd got quite niche, and I was wondering, how do I make that next next step? And I spoke to a few guys who'd gone off and done MBAs and they sort of helped me sort of figure out and work through my thought process of what to do next and said, you know, you've worked in so many different things an MBA probably isn't going to be that much value to you. And then one person said, no, come work for me. So I ended up going to work for her. And I initially started with a sort of strategy role, which was doing a a big consultancy piece of uh, transformation for... Uh, the gala group uh and then the company said right okay build our casino division make all this stuff happen turn this concept through to real product and reality um and I took that leap and that was quite a hard leap I think at the time because it was that sense of like I have to now leave the room you know the senior management room to earn my way back into the room um and that put me out of my comfort zone it was then managing teams of people it was taking a product from concept through to reality and it was really tough um In those early days, we basically launched a product which didn't work. It was broken, um, and uh, I was working 100-hour weeks. I was literally going to the casino after work, staying there till 6 in the morning.
2: When did you decide I'm going to do my own thing after that? That's the bit I'm really interested in. I think the thing with that was...
1: Achieving that gave me the confidence okay. to know that I could do it myself. You knew so, that
2: once you were set out uh, in that un- uncomfortable place, you know what, well, actually it wasn't as uncomfortable as you thought you could. Yeah, and I, it.
1: and I got over the hump of those 100-hour weeks and I took that broken product from nothing to 70% market penetration in the UK in just over a year. So that was a case of like, oh...
2: I can do this, I can take a concept through. But it was a 12-month epiphany. It was. It was a long one, and we're going to hold it there. That 12-month epiphany um, will um, come to to, to fruition very shortly when you hear what Tom and how Tom went about uh, building his new business. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, but before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. Hi, I'm Richard Leadham, Head of Insurance Litigation at Mishkondorea. One of the things I always say to clients who come to me with a claim, whether it's against an insurance company or some sort of other financial institution, is be prepared to be in it for the long run because the opponents will try and weigh you down. And that applies whether you're an individual or a relatively large company yourselves. Some of these institutions are set up to try and drive you um, to distraction and abandon the claim. So having the stamina and the appetite is very important.
0: Jazz shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish It's business but it's personal
2: This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss, and every Saturday I get very lucky because I get to meet someone who is shaping the world of business, and we call them Business Shapers. We've interviewed many hundreds over the last few years. iTunes is your destination if you want to go and look up a few of the brilliant ones there. I can recommend Kelly Hoppen from the live session which we recorded earlier, uh, or rather later, at the end of 2016. And now we're in 2017, and in 2017 we have new people, and my new person right in front of me is Tom Adiula, and he's the founder and chief exec of Metel. And Metel, as you heard earlier, very smart. Company helping you buy clothes online without buying the wrong ones. Tom, we talked, uh, uh, you were talking before about how long it took for your. Own sense of comfort to be given an excuse, so you know what I'm okay with this. I can do this thing called working for myself, and how such a smart person could have come to that. What other factors do you think were stopping you making that leap? Was it the fact that there hadn't been a history of entrepreneurs in the in the family, or that you, your mates weren't doing the same? They were in more, you know, that the corporate jobs. Is it something like that? Yeah, it was. It was both those things.
1: So it was very much a gravy train from Cambridge back then, and you know, this is pre-internet era, pretty much in many mm. respects. of of people going straight into banking uh, and uh, consultancy and that's where all the money was. So if you have a good education, that's where you're going to get all the big bucks. Um, Also, in terms of like my family, my mother uh, came to the UK from Norway. My dad came to the UK from Nigeria. They met here. Um, My mum worked for Day Nursery my Dad worked for the buses. I got a scholarship to a good school. But it, I didn't have that sort of broad network here in the UK of people that I could speak to about what's that sort of job like. You know, how do you get into that? Or or people who'd who gone and done something and achieved something big. And, you know, even on my mum's side in terms of her family, there was no one. There were only a couple who'd ever gone to university. So it was a, it was a big leap to go from being a smart guy to saying well actually I, I think I can do everything by myself and you need confidence and you can't really underestimate the power of confidence and and accumulating confidence to get you to a point where you're ready to do your own thing
2: I've met a few people along the way who weren't wealthy enough to go to a, a private school or, or anything like that uh, you went to St Paul's which is one of the best schools if not the best school in the country um, as you said I was on a scholarship did you ever feel like the poor kid there did you feel out of place or was it not like that for you? Um I think and I don't mean poor in a non-pejorative not way at all but just in the sense you're on the you're the scholarship kid.
1: Yeah. I think
2: fortunately I think
1: St Paul's is one of those like great places where because it is in the heart of London um it had a great ethos on basically people being there based on their ability and the ability to try and fund through their bursary scheme people from all different types of backgrounds. Um And at that time, certainly, I think it's slightly tilted um, since, there was a really good mix of people from lots of different backgrounds. And I never felt a sense of money being a differentiator for people. And. I think I was probably lucky because I was good at school. Mm. I was good at sport. I played rugby to a high standard. I uh, was in debating society. What position
2: were you there, Tom? You're not a a big unit over
1: there. No, I was (laughs) centre wing. Oh, he's fast. Um, I played county level. I was scouted for Harlequins. I was, you know, it was... I, I wanted to play but this was the era before Jonah Lomu suddenly hit and this was amateur I think when I got to 18 that was when it turned from amateur professional and everything changed You may be fast but life. you're
2: not as big as him and we're going to pause right there because he's a super fast thinker and he's going to come and say some more brilliant things but I'm going to um, play some music first and what we're going to play right now is the Oscar Peterson Trio with C Jam Blues That was C Jam Blues from the Oscar Peterson Trio. Tom Adiolo is my business shaper. We've been talking about speed on the on the rugby pitch, but also speed of thought and and that opportunity that you were given. Did you ever? Um, and we we talked about you know not having role models and stuff. You, you, when you'd gone to Cambridge, as you said, then I imagine the the, the role models were those traditional corporate jobs. Yeah. How hard was it then, once you got that confidence? You made a very good point about don't underestimate the importance of confidence. Once you got it, once you knew you were going to do it and you were going to make the leap, what did that feel like, Tom, emotionally? Forget the, the rational brilliance over there about the business idea, but actually knowing that you were going to go and do this. I think it was massively liberating, actually. So um, when I've made the
1: decision to do it, I was actually doing it from potentially a very strong financial position in the sense of the company I was at, Inspired Game Group was about to be sold, um, so my bosses were going to become wealthy. They, they basically indicated they would invest in me, um, I'd uh, uh, negotiated to be consult a few days a week ongoing for them for a little while, while I got my feet off the ground, got, got things together and I was going to make a, some options. So I was like, yeah, everything's pretty cool and everything's going to be all right. But they were about to sell their company to Icelandic banks. And this was late 2007. Uh, The deal collapsed the night before the press conference announcing the deal. It didn't go through. I was looking at a position where I had quite a big mortgage. But having made that decision to leave, I was gaining confidence day by day and gaining the sense of this was the right thing to do day by day. So even then, staring at um, 2008 with a big mortgage, Um, no investors, uh, no options. I felt that it was worth taking the risk. And I think that was like massively liberating. And I think over the course of the next year, and well, two years, having no money and learning to survive on very little money taught me a lot about myself and actually real sort of strength of focus on an idea
2: and how you can achieve things. We'll have our final chat with my guest Tom today, plus play a track from Mark Murphy. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM In partnership
2: with Mish Mishkondorea
0: It's business, but it's personal Here we go now, time to go now
1: Can't stop, no, not now Maybe you'll see what you can be No, don't stop, not now Each stone you pass is just one class And there's
0: mother ahead It's what you need, you can stay in bed, now you...
2: Mark Murphy with the racy milestones. And my racy guest there, and and he has the speed of thought and speed of everything else, is Tom Adiolo, and he's only with me for a few more minutes. Founder of Metel um, and the CEO as well. You've raised $20 million, um, I believe, since the inception of this business. You've got a strategic partner in IBM. You've got tie-ups with Tesco. You've done stuff with um, Henry Holland, the fashion man, uh, icon whatever you want to call him. All sorts of stuff. This is surely a business that's about to pop, or it is popping. What's going to? What are you going to do to make sure that in two or three years everyone knows who Metel is versus those people in the know? I think just a couple of those key things. Yeah, th- this is a massive year for us. I think
1: UK companies haven't been really good traditionally over the last ten, fifteen years of of really doing the hyper marketing game that the US do um, at really describing themselves and, and putting themselves out there. They have great tech, but they never do the marketing piece. And I think that is a really important piece for me this year which is to start to talk more aggressively about how much great tech we've got and how great a company we are and how much of a positive impact we can have on the whole clothing supply chain from beginning to end and to work with great partners to help leverage and amplify that message. I think often I will go to Silicon Valley and I feel like, wow, you know, in the first impression is always, you see a company, it's like, wow, this looks like a Ferrari. It's amazing. Look how great they are. You go up to it. You put your hand against the door and it goes straight through because it's actually made of papier-mâché. Um, I think the thing that we traditionally do in the UK is we build the chasse, chassis, we build an amazing engine, and we don't put anything on top to make it look great and attractive. And that's a key challenge for us to do over the next couple of years.
2: And is that the that's the number one thing. I mean, yes. if there was only one thing you are going to do, it's that, it's the, hy- the hyper-marketing. Just before I go to your, your choice of music, what's the, the one thing that really matters to you? What's going to make tom feel fulfilled at the end of this journey or the next stage of this journey um i think for me everything
1: is about taking the journey to the end and and success so i think for me i'll be happy the day where everybody is using a me model they have 3d version of themselves uh to try on clothes to see how they fit and that that has a positive impact uh, on their view of self and their ability to find clothing and that we can have an impact on the supply chain that positively reduces waste um and i think for me that's that's taking that all the way through for me success is delivering on that vision anything before that isn't so you know an exit for money
2: where actually it just takes ip and doesn't deliver that end goal isn't a success in my book tom thank you so much for joining me um It's been really interesting hearing about it. You seem like a very values driven person as well as uh, looking for the big, the big bucks. They're going to come. I know they're going to come, but I know I can see also that's not going to be anything that matters to you. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen? it? My song choice is song with three names. Um, It's actually from a band
1: that I used to manage um, way back when. So one of the many things I did Um, and we're actually just about to re-release that album now in the era of iTunes and Spotify over the next couple of weeks. Um, It, it was a great sort of jazzy tune um with a mixture of uh funk influences and uh not particularly this track but hip-hop influences and in other tracks that we put together um and also it's a little bit of a uh, a shout out to my old uh housemate and uh key producer in the band uh whose uh, partner
2: unfortunately died last year and the name of the band is busetti here it is That was Song With Three Names from Busetti, the song choice of my business shaper Tom Adiolo. Hard-working, someone who did not shy away from those 100-hour weeks, as he mentioned. Values-driven, someone who understands that if he's going to bring his company to the size it should be, and it could be he's got to underpin his people with a really strong set of values, and understands the importance of marketing, Tom is running a scale-up business, and when he really wants to scale up, he's absolutely got to, in his own words, hypermarket. All fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meanwhile, stay with us. You know the drill. Coming up next, it's Mr. Nigel Williams.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.